The tools to create media have never been more accessible, but that also means the landscape is noisy. When everyone is blogging, vlogging, and yes, podcasting, who in their right mind would try to turn a profit with a media startup? Well, Camille Foster for one. I try to imagine like, what could I do that would be stranger um, or perhaps more risky than starting a, a media startup right now, like a video-centered media startup. I suppose we could try to start a newspaper. Like that would be <laughs> like a little crazier, maybe a little local daily. I'm Chad Grills, founder and CEO of Mission.org, your number one source for accelerated learning. Building a successful, profitable, and growing business is not easy. Trust me, I know. And one of the key things that has helped me through the ups and downs is learning from the best entrepreneurs in the world. Welcome to the journey. Camille is the co-founder of Freethink Media. Freethink produces documentaries and editorials about innovators and pioneers who are changing the world. At a time when the business of media is rapidly evolving, many well-established organizations are struggling to adapt. But Camille sees this as an opportunity to create something of real value, to build a thriving business, and to share some much-needed optimism with the world. Being a kid growing up in Northern Virginia, my family was quite small. You know, mom, dad, myself, my baby sister. We got about 10 years between us. And... My earliest memory, I can hear my dad's voice and I can hear these little mantras that he imparted to me. Like, don't take any wooden nickels. I think it has something to do with counterfeit things. He would also say something along the lines of your attitude defines your altitude. And he was constantly challenging me to be my best self, to strive for something that seemed beyond other people's conception of what was appropriate or possible. It's really only later in life that I came to appreciate precisely what the message was that he was giving me. And it's only later in life that I appreciated the degree to which you know, some of the kids in class might not be so interested in pushing for something extraordinary and trying harder to do something that was truly excellent. With supportive parents and surrounded by ambitious people in the suburbs of Washington, D.C., Camille knew he wanted to make an impact on the world. He also knew that science and technology could unlock entirely new possibilities. So when he started college, he set out to become a scientist. Initially, I studied biochem. That was my first major. And somewhere along the line, in my first winter break, I was at home and I was watching a bunch of C-SPAN and I'd always had an interest in public policy. But I became completely addicted to watching congressional hearings and stuff like that on C-SPAN. And I decided to change my major to government and economics, much to my mother's chagrin. Even with a change in major, school didn't hold Camille's attention for very long. So he started a telecom consultancy with a friend from high school. It wasn't a rapid growth startup, but it was his first experience building an enterprise from scratch. Camille and his friend built the company together while he continued to take classes part-time. But after 10 years, Camille was ready for a change. I was doing media appearances every once in a while, like cable news, various other contexts, sometimes talking about entrepreneurship, other times talking about public policy. And I ended up in New York and got an invitation to come and audition for this nightly cable television show. And I actually turned them down initially because I had to go do a project with my wife. 
but I got a call from someone who said, Camille, you need to do this. And it's the sort of person that you, in your life, who when they tell you something, you say, okay, fine, I'll do what you ask, even though it's inconvenient. And that was another interesting detour where I went off and did this television show on Fox Business for about a year and a half. It's a nightly news show. It's, again, not anything I ever planned, but it was a great experience uh, an opportunity to to meet a lot of interesting people in the media universe and an opportunity to to develop some some new muscles uh, with respect to reading the news cycle, paying close attention to what's happening in the news cycle at sort of a really granular level and helping to sort of craft the news that people are paying attention to on a daily basis. Like most Americans, Camille had seen plenty of cable news. He'd even appeared in news segments as a commentator. But becoming a nightly contributor gave him a behind-the-scenes perspective, and it shifted his entire understanding of what professional journalism actually looked like. I still remember the first time I sat down to do a, a segment. I think I was with, gosh, I can't remember his name, but I remember we got out on set, we were having a conversation, and it turned into this really fiery debate, mostly him being fiery. And at the end of the debate, you know, at the end of the segment, he just turns to me and says, yeah, it was great. And kind of walks off. We're like friendly all of a sudden. And a moment ago, it was only contempt for me. And I think understanding kind of the theatrical component of that whole industry is something that was a little surprising to me. And I think I had an expectation that the gatekeepers were a little bit more careful. There's a sensibility that what journalists do is is sacred and that what they do is almost mystical. They collect the truth and they bring it to you. And it's both the case that I think the public has an expectation about the unique objectivity, the oracle-like nature of what journalists do. And journalists themselves often talk about what they do in kind of these grandiose terms. All we do is report the truth. All we do is bring people the facts. But it's necessarily a human endeavor. And there's necessarily some subjectivity in any human endeavor. And as a result, that ought to change our relationship to the news. It ought to change this kind of expectations that we bring to bear when we're reading a story or watching our favorite commentators talk about things. They're human. They're coloring the story and it's an unavoidable reality. I often draw parallels to like a map. You know, a map is never a one-to-one representation of all of the things that you'll encounter in the world. It has to be abstracted from reality in a way that makes it useful to you. And it's being useful is a function of the fact that it's leaving out a lot of the detail and giving you sort of a lower resolution portrait. But when you know that, when you're aware of the fact that it's an abstraction and you use it in that way, it becomes a much more useful tool than when you presume that this Google map is exactly correct and corresponds precisely to everything that's going on out there. When we come back, Camille talks about how his shift in perspective inspired him to reinvent the medium and launch his own news outlet. The journey is sponsored by our friends at Salesforce Essentials. We use Salesforce Essentials every day and it's part of our own business journey. Essentials combines sales and service tools in a single app to help small businesses win customers and keep them happy. See how Salesforce Essentials can help you be your best business at salesforce.com slash the journey. Camille was a nightly commentator on cable news to an audience of millions. He offered analysis of the day-to-day headlines, 
framing facts and context on many of the most pressing national and geopolitical issues. His voice was amplified in a way that most people will never experience, and he felt the weight of that responsibility. But eventually, he also felt that the stories they covered were missing the bigger picture. It's the fact that we live at the best, most incredible time in human history, a time when people have this enormous individual capacity and ability because of all the technology at our disposal to make massive change in the world. We have a pessimistic bias in some contexts, and it it can be much easier to imagine the specific awful things that could happen to us, the uncertainty of the future. And I think that in a moment like now, you know, when folks are concerned about automation, they're concerned about what the future, the the changes that might disrupt their lives in possible ways. It's vitally important to remember how essential growth is, how essential it is for us to achieve new and better ways of doing things. I think there are a lot of opportunities there to just take established narratives that seem pretty black and white, that can often be very bleak, and enriching them by asking provocative questions at the margins that that force us to imagine uh, possibilities that we just couldn't have before. In the midst of declining trust in institutions, the rampant spread of fake news, and collapsing profits for many of the biggest names in media, Camille launched Freethink Media. He's not interested in irrational exuberance or dismissing the very real and looming challenges we face. What Freethink focuses on is grounded, sensible optimism. The idea that maybe we really can solve our big problems and build a much better future for everyone. The reality is that the appetite for content is still growing and the interest in finding new, interesting voices that resonate with you is something that a lot of people are still doing. So there's definitely an opportunity. We do a lot of work with brands where we're either producing content with brands or brands are helping to underwrite series that we're producing. And the question we always ask them is, where do you really want your logo to show up? Are you interested in having your logo associated with content about you know, the latest business scandal or you know, the, the biggest tech, the big technology letdown of the week or speculation about why something won't work? Or might it be better to be associated with a brand that's telling stories about the incredible, amazing things that might be coming down the road, the opportunities that are ahead of us. And certainly there's uncertainty about some new innovation, but what if it works? What if it works? How does this change the world for the better? There's a remarkable story to be told there. And I think that there is generally a brand synergy between anyone who's trying to sell something and an optimistic, forward-looking view of the world. Camille is even optimistic about his audience. It can be tempting in media to just appeal to the lowest common denominator. But with Freethink, Camille is reaching out to thoughtful viewers who will dedicate their attention to thorough coverage. We're interested in deriving meaningful attention from valuable audiences. And meaningful attention means that we're creating content that resonates with audience so well that they're actually interested in completing it. And then (laughs) signing on to find more of the same kind of content. And I think Thinking about our content in that way pushes us away from listicles and pushes us towards telling deep, thoughtful stories about people who are doing incredible and important things. 
but also not just getting caught up in the details of the how or the what, but really focusing on what is pretty universal to every story, the why, like what motivated you to do this important thing? What what led you to believe that you could actually do this important thing? Those are like universal messages that everyone gets. Whether or not you're a nuclear physicist, you might not understand the technology associated with this reactor, this revolutionary new reactor that someone's trying to build, but you totally get the fact that someone is inspired by being taken to the museum by dad on a regular basis and being encouraged and told that they have the capacity to do something remarkable. That does not mean that there's a world with no problems. It means that we've never been better positioned to be able to tackle the world's big problems. And we think that's the most important underexplored story of our time. And we also think it's perhaps the most important story in, in human history, broadly speaking. The things that people might do today and tomorrow could, you know, change the course of human history for the better. So we want to we want to tell that story, want to tell it minus the cynicism that we see in other places with a kind of curiosity and enthusiasm and excitement and optimism that I think has been missing in a lot of other contexts. Comedian John Oliver said, while skepticism is healthy, cynicism, real cynicism is toxic. Another comedian, Stephen Colbert, said, Cynicism masquerades as wisdom, but it is the farthest thing from it because cynics don't learn anything. Professional journalism is about as far away from comedy as you can get. But maybe Camille shares something in common with John Oliver and Stephen Colbert. Cynicism is common because it's easy. Anyone can point out potential problems in the world. What is much, much harder, but more productive, is to explore real answers to build working solutions, and to share those discoveries with others. If you're willing to do that work, there are good reasons to believe that the future of your journey will be bright. Thank you again to our friends at Salesforce Essentials for sponsoring the journey. Our team at The Mission uses Salesforce Essentials every day. Salesforce makes the leading CRM, and they created Salesforce Essentials especially for small businesses. It combines sales and service tools in a single app to help you win customers and build your business. It's affordable, it's made for small businesses just like yours, and it includes in-app tutorials so you never get lost. Try it for free today. Visit salesforce.com slash the journey to start your free trial or click the link in our show notes. We love Salesforce Essentials and you will too.